Today on this wisdom journey through the Bible, we come to Jonah 1, verses 1 through 3. Your emotions and personal desires must always be kept in submission to God's will for you. Jonah's experience is a warning. He knew exactly what God expected of him, but he decided to pursue disobedience because he allowed his feelings toward the Assyrians to override God's command. You'll learn from his negative example in this lesson called Watch Jonah Run. Here's Stephen. If I asked you to finish this phrase, what would you say? Adam and Eve. I think just about everybody would say that. What about this one? Noah and the ark. Well, here's another one. Daniel and the lion's den. Let me give you one more. Jonah and the whale would be what most people would say. Well, the truth is there's a lot more to Noah than the ark. There's a lot more to Daniel's life than than a lion's. And let me tell you, there's a lot more to Jonah than being swallowed by what the Bible calls a great fish. You know, sometimes in our Bible study, we focus on the sensational, and, and we miss other things that are just as significant. You see, this little book of Jonah is going to show us the sovereign control of the Creator over his creation. You've got a miraculous storm at sea. You've got this great fish that's told where to swim and what to swallow. You've got a plant that's going to grow at super speed. And then you've got one of the shortest sermons ever preached followed by one of the greatest national revivals ever recorded in human history. Let me tell you, this little book, it's only 48 verses long, but it puts on a magnificent display of God's power over all creation, including the human heart. I I just have to say it again. The book of Jonah is much more than a fish story. Well, now, here in chapter 1, we discover that there's actually no introduction to this book. It just begins with the statement, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Now, nothing is said here about who Jonah is. Well, we happen to know that Jonah was already you know, quite famous. In fact, he had delivered a rather well-known, famous prophecy back under the reign of King Jeroboam II, and it had come true. The prophecy is referred to here in 2 Kings chapter 14 and verse 25, which reads, Jeroboam II restored the border of Israel from Lebel Hamath as far as the sea of the Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet By the way, we also know by dating this particular prophecy that Jonah ministered there in Israel for a number of of years. The prophets Hosea uh, uh, and Amos also ministered during the reign of Jeroboam. So it's quite possible that they knew each other fairly well. Now, here in Jonah chapter 1, we're never told whether God came to him by a dream or a vision 
But Jonah chapter 1 and verse 2 tells us that God delivered a command to him, this veteran prophet. He says to Jonah, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. You could actually paraphrase that to read, they smell to the highest heavens. Well, the command from God uh, certainly gets Jonah's attention. Jonah's immediately overwhelmed with this distasteful emotion. These, these emotions are actually going to lead him to literally run away. But I, I don't want to be too hard on Jonah. Let's climb back into Jonah's generation so we can better understand why he decided to effectively retire from the office of prophet rather than go to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was the chief city of Assyria. Much of that city, by the way, has been excavated, and it reveals a a rather once impressive fortress. It was built for war. It, It had a brutal nation housed inside. The Assyrians were Israel's most feared enemies. In fact, they were a constant threat to Israel's safety. And they, they will indeed eventually conquer Israel. They're going to take the people into captivity some 50 years after Jonah's ministry ends. Now, when the king of Assyria took the throne, he supposedly, they believed, joined the hand of deity. And, and, and the deity invested in him the power of their god. Their national god was Marduk. The Assyrians were actually demon-worshipping immoral, unmerciful people. In fact, they boasted of their cruelty to their enemies. Archaeologists have discovered how the Assyrian army would would parade about with the heads of their vanquished enemies elevated on poles. It was an, an Assyrian custom to gouge out the eyes of prisoners, to put hooks in their noses, and then humiliate them by leading them like cattle before killing them. Now, God's call to Jonah here is is very clear. It doesn't allow for any confusion. In fact, Jonah doesn't miss the point. God uses very clear verbs like arise, go, call out against. And, And again, they're not suggestions. In the Hebrew language, these verbs are imperatives. That is, they are, they are commands that are unmistakable. They are, they are undeniable. Now, Keep in mind, God isn't unaware of the danger of, of this mission. He isn't, he isn't covering up in a reality here. This isn't a sales pitch to Jonah. No, God is simply saying here in verse 2, their evil has come up before me. In other words, their perversion, their wickedness, their cruelty, none of that has gone unnoticed by God God is essentially saying, Jonah, I know what I'm asking you to do, and I know how difficult this assignment is going to be for you. In fact, it's going to be dangerous. See, you might be tempted, beloved, to think that if God really knew what was involved in what he's calling you to do, perhaps today, he wouldn't have asked you to do it. I mean, if he knew how impossible your situation would become, he he would have never asked you to go. Oh, no, God isn't out of touch. Even though his, his calling for your life might make you feel out of place. Well, now in his past ministry, Jonah had walked with God. Jonah had, had spoken for God in his home country. He had he'd actually spoken to, to receptive audiences. But now as God says here in verse 2, it's time for him to arise 
go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. This is going to be confrontational. By the way, don't miss the fact that God doesn't give Jonah any guarantee of success here or or even safety. God does not say here, did you notice, arise, go to Nineveh, and they're going to repent and you're going to return home safely. No, none of that. Jonah is simply commanded to go confront this brutal nation for their wickedness. Now, verse 3 records Jonah's immediate response, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Now we know that Joppa was a busy port city there on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. It's to there Jonah runs. He's going to catch a boat. We're told he's going to sail to Tarshish. That's a city located on the coast of Spain. And by the way, it was in the exact opposite direction from Nineveh. And you need to understand, furthermore, in Jonah's day, Spain was considered the most western spot of the known world. So you see, Jonah is running as far away as he possibly can. Now, don't misunderstand. Jonah knows he can't literally run away from the presence of the Lord. He has no doubt read the poems of King David. He's surely familiar with Psalm 139, which says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? So Jonah's not running away from God. He knows he can't do that. He's resigning his role as a prophet. He's quitting the ministry. See, this command is more than he bargained for. And at this point, this veteran prophet wants out. But let me tell you, and we'll learn this again, whenever we run from God in disobedience, we pay a price, don't we? Sometimes it's a high price. But the truth is, when we run from God, we never find a place we can enjoy. You know, I'm convinced that the most unhappy person on the planet is a Christian who's running away from the will of God. Well, Jonah arrives here at the dock in Joppa. He boards this ship. He might even think that, you know, everything's uh, working out really well. He was able to get a ticket and become a passenger. Well, God's just going to have to find another prophet to go to Nineveh. Now, it appears, all that Jonah wants is a nap. Verse 5 will inform us that Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. I can't help but think that Jonah might not have slept so soundly had he been able to see through the flooring of his cabin down into the deep waters of the Mediterranean Sea. See, far below the ship is a creature swimming quietly, keeping pace, under orders to just tag along. See, unlike Jonah, this creature will obey every command from its creator God. And we'll get to that part soon enough. We're out of time for today. Until next time, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
Stephen will continue teaching through the book of Jonah next time. Be sure and join us for that. Stephen Davey is the president of Shepherd's Theological Seminary. One of his passions is training and equipping men and women for service to God. If you're interested in pursuing a degree or just taking a class or two, you can learn more at wisdomonline.org forward slash STS. Then join us next time on this wisdom journey.